3, verse 18. We grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You may be seated. As we have opportunity to speak to our friends and our family, sometimes we hear them say these words, I want to know more about the Lord. Great. That's wonderful. What a, what a fantastic statement that is that can be made by everyone. Uh, and as we look at that, we ask this question, great, but exactly how is that going to be done? You see, sometimes we say things um, that sound great, Sometimes we even mean those things when we say them. But then we find out it's a little more difficult than we thought. And so we either stop or we don't put as much effort into or sometimes we can lie to ourselves and say, oh, I know, I know just enough. The first century looked at this question. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, Jesus said, Go ye into all the world. And if you look down about verse number 20, as verse 20 begins, what you'll read is, And they went. He said, Go, and they said, All right. So when they went, they had to have something to proclaim. And that's found in Luke chapter 24 and verse number 47. They would proclaim repentance and remission of sins. In Acts chapter 8 and verse, 20, uh, verse number 4, we find out that they went everywhere. And in 1 Corinthians 15, we find out that they taught those things that were according to the Scriptures. Now, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 gives us a little bit of a, uh, of, a, of, a, of a misnomer there. Sometimes we read it and we say, well, they taught them everything that we have in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians 15, that hadn't been written yet. And so they would prove that New Testament church by those Old Testament scriptures because they did know more. They did that research and they found out who God was and how they could prove Him through that Old Testament law. Let me ask you this question as we start this idea. Do you really want to know more? Jesus would defend that idea that there are some who don't. In first, or Matthew chapter 13, in verse number 15, He said, There are those who have hearts that are hard and ears that are stopped up to a point to where they don't want to see and they don't want to hear because when they are confronted with that truth, then they're going to have to make some decision about it. And so the question really is, do I, do I want to know more? In John chapter 12, verses 20, or 42 and 43, we find out men and women who had been pressured, and in this case it was men who were pressured to stay in the, uh, the temple and in that temple worship, rather than obeying and believing that Jesus is the Messiah. They didn't want to be thrown out of that. And so, even though they did believe, they didn't do anything with it. We find out in Acts chapter 7, especially around verse number 51, that at times, truth hurts. And not the hearer, but in Acts chapter 7, it was the deliverer. 
In Acts chapter 7, we find the martyr of our brother Stephen. The first one to die for the cause of Jesus the Christ and the truth that's found in the Bible. He was killed because he said, you guys tend to follow after your fathers who would take the prophets and the mouthpieces of God and kill them. Guess what they did? They tend to follow after their fathers. They took Stephen and they killed him. And like our second Timothy, rather, chapter 4, Paul tells us that there is coming a time when the world will not want to hear the sound doctrine of truth, but rather have someone just sort of tickle their ears. Sounds familiar, huh? And so the question really is, do you want to know? And, and most people want to hear and, and uh, say this thing, I'd like to know more about Jesus, but I don't need to necessarily know more about his teaching. When I was just born, I assume... There was a statement that was made that, that uh, someone would want to know the man, but not the plan. That is, they want to know about Jesus, they just don't want to know what he teaches. Well, in Acts chapter 8, that would tell us that's a falsehood. In Acts chapter 8, as that Ethiopian eunuch stops, Philip joins himself there, asks him, do you know what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless somebody explains it to me? And so P, or Philip starts from that point on and preaches unto him, Jesus Good, I want to know all about that man. When they stop, what happens? He's baptized. You know, when, when the Bible would tell us that he preached unto him Jesus, he didn't tell us anything about baptism. But preaching Jesus is, a ne uh, is necessary to preaching baptism. Preaching baptism is necessary to preach Jesus. They're interchangeable. That's probably not good. Let's see if it still works. All right. This would be the point at which um, <laughs> uh, newfangled things are not necessarily great. So, as they are intertwined, let's look at a few things that are intertwined today. Maybe. All right. So how's everybody doing today? <laughs> this is the worst nightmare. Let's see if we're there. No, we're almost there. Yeah, there we go. Nope. We're too far down the line, aren't we? There we go. Let's start with some things that are interlinked. Whew. I had a teacher at the Memphis School of Preaching and uh, he, he died a few years ago. His name was Garland Elkins. I think he knew the entire Bible front to back. He said the very first time he ever got up to preach, he had uh, index cards. And this was way back when the wind came through the window, blew those cards off, and he didn't know where to go. And he said, after that, I just memorized it. So, thank you, Brother Elkins. I'll do what I can. <laughs> As you and I study things that are linked together that, that at times people want to pull apart, some would say, I would like more about life and how I'm supposed to live and the goodness that I have and less about baptism. It is unfortunate that you would look at me and you probably would say, well, I'll tell you what, that preacher right there, every time he gets up, he speaks about baptism. 
Yes, he does, because it's just that necessary. Look at John chapter 3 and verse number 16, probably the most famous verse found within the Bible. You and I read there that it is necessary for one that believeth to be saved by God. Now, we don't necessarily use words that end in E-T-H much anymore, do we? I'm not going to go with down to Burger King today and get a hamburger, are you? But when, when you read that in the uh, very poetic sound of the King James Version, what you read is a word with E-T-H uh, with the idea of this. In a continual process of. So here when this says that this man uh, believes unto salvation, that he is believing and continuing, continuing that process through whatever God would tell him to do. As a matter of fact, in verse 17, it would say baptism. In John chapter 12, in verse number 48, Jesus would say, it's my words that would judge. And Jesus would also say in Mark chapter 15 and verse 16, be baptized. He that believeth and is baptized. In Acts chapter 8, verse 12, in Acts chapter 8 and verse 35, they were baptized and taught how to live. And in 2 John 9 through 11, we find about those who do not abide in the Word of God, those who are not baptized, those who do not complete God's plan of salvation, no matter how good of a life that they live, the action of following after God and a goodness of life are interlinked. And they cannot be separated. Would I like to hear about more about good life and how to live? Yes. Good. Then you need to know more about the gospel plan of salvation and living faithfully. Because those things are interlinked. Notice this. I'd like to hear more about the trial and death of Jesus and less about the church. You know, I would too. Here's why. Because when I read and study about that trial and death of Jesus, what I find out is my value to God. I'd love to hear that. Tell, I tell you what. Y'all are thinking about this for afterward. Y'all just tell me how good I am afterward. I don't know if y'all know that or not. That makes a person feel really, 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 really good. But the fact of the matter is, the church and the death and trial of Jesus are interlinked. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'm going to give to Peter the keys of the kingdom. We find out in Acts 2 and verse number 47 that it is Jesus who adds those to the church, those that are being saved, those that are following after his plan. In Acts chapter 20, we see that church being the flock. In Ephesians chapter 5, we see that church being the bride. You can't speak about the trial and death of Jesus the Christ without speaking about the church. His trial and death paved the way with his blood for that church. Notice this. I'd like to hear more about the resurrection and less about the authority because that resurrection account is by all means fascinating. Look at this, look at this account. In every other account in the Bible of a resurrection, you have someone from outside the tomb calling someone from inside the tomb to rise and get out. Not in this case. There's no one on the outside. And Jesus raises because of who he is. Now those are interlinked. 
I can't talk about that resurrection without talking about who he is and who he is is authority. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, go. Go who? Go. All of y'all, go. Yes. And verse 20 would tell them to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost and teach them those things that I have already commanded you, so you tell them to go too. Romans chapter 1, verse number 4, Jesus would speak of the power and, and the resurrection and how that points to his authority. In Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 5, you'll read this, this statement to us as Christians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Jesus, let this mindset be in you. And in verse 9 through 11, there uh, Peter, or rather Paul, would write that God has given him authority and given him a name and given him these things because of who he is. First Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 Peter would urge us as his children and us as those fortunate ones who have the opportunity to stand here and say, if any man speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God or by that authority given from God. Brethren, I don't make it up. I just report the news. And this is what he says. These things are interconnected and cannot be taken away from each other. Notice this, I'd like to hear more about his ascension and less about my duty. Imagine yourself, if you can, standing on the top of that mountain, looking at him and watching him go out of sight and, and straining your eyes to see him as long as you possibly can. And now you have the idea of these apostles, or these future apostles in the very next chapter. When they're there looking up and straining... There are a couple of men there who said, what are y'all looking up for? That's in the Alabama paraphrased. What are y'all, what are you looking, why are you staring into the sky? He would say, didn't God, didn't Jesus Christ tell you to go back into the city and to do something? Yes, well then do that. Then go back there and, and wait. You mean they couldn't just stand there gazing? I'm sure they could. As a matter of fact, I'm sure every time they passed over that spot, they may have, may have looked up again and said to themselves, at least this is where it all happened. And perhaps there are those who say, well, preacher, don't you know about Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, where, where it's not of our works, that, that the grace of God is extended to us, and it's not by our works? I understand that. You and I can't do anything that would work or merit our way to heaven. But don't you know about verse 10? Where we are his workmanship, made in his image, zealous of good works. We do have a duty as Christians to do something. As a matter of fact, in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12, we're told by God to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That is, to follow after that plan that, that I, I can't just pick you up and, and throw you down the road. That you have to make those steps that way. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse number 5, Peter would write this, Add to your faith virtue into your virtue knowledge and your knowledge temperance and temperance patience and, and on down the road that way let me ask you this question how many of you in here let's see if the number is different from what it was this morning how many of you in here like like math mm, mm, shame bless your hearts i married miss brandy so i didn't have to do math <laughs> I haven't done math in 20 years, and I don't really plan to pick it up next week. Math is a, is a struggle. It is a work. 
Some of us are very good at it, and we can do that work in our heads. Others of us are not very good at it, and we say, I don't know. But when you're adding to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge and to your knowledge temperance, you know you're working at that. It goes right along with our scripture reading this morning to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you are baptized and you come out of that that watery grave, God doesn't expect you to stay right there. He expects you to move on. And so when I study his ascension, I have to study what that has to do with me and how I'm supposed to uh, serve him as the king of kings. I want to hear more about his second coming and less about my preparation for that. Matthew chapter 24, verse number 36 is a turning point in that particular chapter. Before that, he was speaking about the destruction of, of Jerusalem in the year 70 A.D., In verse number 36, when he says, But of that day and of that hour knoweth no man, he begins to speak of the coming and that second coming of Jesus the Christ. When's that going to happen? I don't know, but I can tell you what will happen. When he comes, eternity will begin. Our, Our chance to be in heaven and be around that throne of grace and have an opportunity to sing praises to God, all of those things will happen. And we love to think about those things. And that's a great thing to be uh, meditating on. But, if I'm not prepared, I find myself moving from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. See, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, what we're, what we're told about is the ones who are asleep, those who have passed away previously, we're not going to uh, cut in front of them in line, and we're not going to, they're not going to miss this second coming of Jesus the Christ. As a matter of fact, in verse 18, he says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. It mentioned in 2 Peter chapter 3 that the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, that He will return and that you and I should be ready and we ought to be making those preparations to see Him in the clouds even right now. That, that His second coming and my preparation for it are forever linked together. Some would say, I want to hear more about Jesus and less about judgment. Can't happen. Now, Jesus was a, I don't know if you know this, he was a preacher. And he did a a fair amount of preaching while he was here. For some three and a half years, he preached all over uh, the area that is uh, Israel, north and a little south, and Jerusalem. And he would say in Matthew chapter 12, verse number 36, that everyone's going to have to give an account of what they do. Before God. As a matter of fact, he talks about those who are offended and those who are righteous, those who are, are wicked and those who are righteous. So many times we look at the word judgment and we think of it in a negative aspect. And we look at it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, 8, and 9, where he said he would come back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not his word. If I want to know about Jesus the Christ, I must know and I have to understand about judgment. 
Go back to the last slide. I want you to compare something. We'll, I'll go back there with you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, really verse 13 through 18. We find Peter, or rather Paul, writing by inspiration to a group in Thessalonica. And he's writing to them to say, Listen, when the Lord returns, this is what's going to happen, and you can be excited about that, and you can comfort one another with these words. You can take comfort in those. You can, you can sit back and feel a little bit at ease because you know kind of what's going to happen. You turn over one book to Th uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7, 8, and 9, and what we do is we turn that day of judgment coin over and we see the negative side of it. First, there's a positive side. And to those same people, about the same day, he says that there are going to be some who are going to be judged in flaming fire. And what's the difference? What's, what's the difference in all of those? The difference is what's found in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12 through 15. What's found there are a few books. The book of life, the book of the Lamb. And it all depends on where your name is written. Remember as we talked earlier about second, or Acts chapter 2 and verse number 47 that Jesus was the one writing those names in that role? Well, we find out in, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 that Jesus is the one who will erase those names from that role also. Jesus has ultimate authority over whose name is placed where. And I can't study Jesus without studying his authority and his authority in judgment. What does that mean for me? What, is that, what am I supposed to do with all that information, preacher? Well, would you, would you like me to say nothing? I could, I guess, just say nothing. That's just a good way to take up a few minutes and... Now it's almost time to go have lunch. So many times, that's what we put right here. We put out a, an ample amount of information, but no way to apply it. So let's take what we've learned today a little bit and, and apply that. There's one person sitting in this room who knows your eternal destination right now one person and he's sitting in your seat you know what God has said to do through the hearing of his word Romans 10 and verse number 17 so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God you know what Jesus said uh, with belief or rather what the Bible says about belief in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6 for without faith it is impossible to please him, for they that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know what the Bible says about repentance? True repentance where we turn around and change our outlook, which changes our action. It's found in Luke chapter 13 and verse number 3 and verse number 5. I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. We hear the words that Peter wrote, or Paul wrote by the inspiration of God in Romans chapter 10, 
verses 9 and 10, when we're speaking about confession, where he say, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. We know what the Bible says when we read in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38 that man is to be baptized for the remission of his sins. We see that in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 38 and 39 where it's into water. We find out in Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 4 where the old man is laid to rest and a new man walks out of that water. We know those things. We know that Jesus said in, in Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 10, Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life. We know those things. And yet there is still one sitting here who knows your eternal destiny. Because you know outright whether you have submitted to that authority. So the question is, have you? And if not, would you be willing to? The ultimate end of mankind's life is going to come down to two words. You ready for these two words? Well done. Are you ready to hear those words? You say, preacher, I am ready. That's not what I'm asking. Are you prepared to hear those words? Or, deep down inside, do you know you're not going to hear those words? If, in fact, you find yourself as one who says, I'm not going to hear those words. You can change that today. You can come and submit yourself to the authority of Jesus the Christ. You can be covered over with His blood. You can become a member of his body today, or you can be restored back to faithfulness. And you can walk out of here knowing you'll hear these words. Well done. Let me beg you to come right now while we stand and sing for your encouragement. Happy day.